Well, here's a new bit for you. Weird stuff that I found on the internet and decided I should write it down. So license plate sold in Dubai for $15 million. Plate was simply the number seven. Low number plates are status of symbol in that region. Mm, obviously. A bear in British Columbia broke into a car and drank 69 sodas. Gee, what kind of soda? He was partial to the orange soda and uh, gave up when he got to the Diet Cola. Oh, I'm a diet man. Here's a random one. A 40.3 pound cat is up for adoption in Richmond, Virginia. I wonder how old he is. Is he on his way That's out? Like he's di diabetic or just did? They said they're looking for somebody that will help him on his weight loss journey. Okay. I see what we're doing here. It's, city not, of Kyle. it's not a long-term life pet. So the city of Kyle in Texas okay. is holding a gathering of Kyles at the Kyle Fair this year, May 19th through May 21st, in an attempt to break the world record for the largest same-name gathering. I assume that there's going to be copious amounts of monsters in a drywall punching competition, but <laughs> <laughs> the previous record was held by 2,325 people named Ivan that gathered, gathered in Bosnia in 2017. Huh. Bosnia. Dude, yeah. I wrote that Kyle joke. I was so fucking proud of it. I assume there's going to be copious amounts of monster in a drywall punching competition. Oh, sure. A super jack dude in Australia did 3,181 push-ups in an hour. Setting a new world record. I saw that. A thirsty-ass speed drinker in Germany broke the record for the fastest Capri Sun suck. Finishing a pouch with a weird filmy substance to 10.41 seconds. Okay, so one. <laughs> oh, go back. That's my favorite one I wrote, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be honest. The... the I, always have to I don't feel like that's like an un challengeable goal 10.4 i thought it was so i actually really, longer i really i, I, I don't have thought, any i felt like it was too long right i was like yeah. that's a record i'm like really i've seen my son pummel one of those things yeah too he's dropped a six pack in 45 seconds of those so i'm pretty sure he burned the first yeah, one in less than 10.41 seconds so i got to thinking about that too when i when i read that mm -hmm. and the only justification i can have for it taking that long is the straws are like it's a coffee reloads straw. for ballpoint pens yeah right of course you can achieve it if you stick like a if you you drink know, garden hose in there or cut the top off and just put the hammer down but within That's, the parameters uh, of the factory the factory offered straw <laughs> i suppose it is probably impressive you got to drink it the way it's meant to be drank yeah now was the standard straw that came with those it also had that like accordion section that could bend or was it a straight I so. dart I, I remember it both ways too. Yeah, is this a mandela I, effect thing yeah for sure because i don't know if that's true i think they are straight straws now but i feel like as a youth i watched you know in anguish and jealousy as i saw the kid next to me just chiefing on that thing with yeah, the bendy as i have is. to pull the tin foil off my hug my yeah. <laughs> my purple huggy. drink Welcome to the Fundamentals of Nonsense. First story, Timothy Dexter. Timothy Dexter. Go Timothy ahead. Timothy Dexter. Timothy Dexter was a bit of an idiot savant. And he was just flat out kind of dumb and gullible. I can identify. I didn't. I was hoping you know, I could with the savant part, but it, so far it checks out. But some of those stories about people who record immeasurable success on accident uh -huh. are just remarkable. Oh, yeah. Somebody who can get tricked and still somehow come out the other end of it perfect. This guy is a prime example of that. We have a lot of those today that have done very well. I think most of the time now we call them congressmen, but... Yeah, or influencers. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So this guy is born 
very lowly, poverish, and he he's born into a family of farmhands, farm laborers. Uh-huh. Drops out of school at eight years old. Wish I would have. Uh, at 16, after wor- working as a farmhand for eight years, he decides he's going to go be an apprentice for a tanner in Boston. Finishes his apprenticeship around 21 years old. Then he decides he's going to launch his own business, and it does pretty good for a little bit. He goes and sells gloves and pants, essentially, uh-huh. as a tanner. He opens his own business. I like both gloves and pants. So far, he's nailing it, right? Uh-huh. Mid to late 1700s. The mid to late 1700s would be about Revolutionary War era. We're, we're nearing the onset of the Revolutionary War. Uh-huh. The British, they start enforcing taxation without representation laws. And the colonies have no say-so in these laws that are being passed. But they're paying taxes on them. Mm-hmm. This is what starts Boston Tea Party. Mm-hmm. This rebellion happens. They shut all the ports down. So he packs all of his shit up. Decides it's not worth it to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Does the like literal hobo stick with a bag on the back of it. Oh, yeah. And goes to Charlestown, Boston. It's, at this point, it's a leather epicenter of Boston. So he takes his skills there. Charlestown like Boston or Charleston like... Uh... Carolinas. Charlestown, Boston. Oh. Time. That's uh, bank robber land. That's yeah. gangster Boston. Yeah. This is the land that uh, of Jeremy Renner robbing banks with Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. Charleston. He's 22 years old, and he meets a newly widowed Elizabeth Frothingham. 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 Fair. She is uh, very wealthy. She was actually a really successful businesswoman. He met her and was way more intrigued by her bank account than her personality. So he marries her, takes her hand in marriage, and marries her. He's 22, she's 32 at the time. Nice. Cooper. So he gets all these assets, marries the super wealthy woman, it skyrockets him into this social platform. It goes as far as saying that one of his neighbors were, was John Hancock. Decent. He uh, really, really wanted this inner circle, the cool kids club, mm-hmm. to accept him. So these you know, well-educated, fancy-ass motherfuckers look down their nose at him the whole time and uh, pissed him off. So he comes up with an idea. He's like, I, I know how I'm going to get to the social circle, and I'm going to secure a seat in public office. Well. At this point, he knew that he wouldn't secure a seat in public office locally. So he starts writing petitions, dozens of them, to, to Malden, begging for a seat, pestering him. So they mm-hmm. end up giving in, more than likely, because he would not stop writing them letters. Well, who's writing them? Because he was uh, literate before that. Yeah. The I, box. I imagine that the it cougar? was terrible to read. They give him a seat. They make it up. Hmm. They they give him the seat, and it's called the Informer of Deer. Oh wow! And his job was to keep track of the the town's fawn population. Wow. And they have on record that when he took this position, that the town hadn't seen a deer in 19 years. Wow! So they literally made up a position. And you think they did that based upon his wife's status? It had to be guess. something. Somebody called a favor in. Yeah. Somebody had to have called a favor in. <laughs> Isn't Just, that what he did with Hunter Biden? <laughs> <laughs> Who was the guy uh, from the seventies? Oh, Jimmy Carter's brother. Is it Billy? He had his own beer. He had his face on a beer can. Billy beer. I, I think he was the no, same no, one. I don't know. This is a good one for me. All right, we'll move on. But I, I think yeah, this is the same. It's the we call it the Hunter Biden effect. Well, there's Jeb Bush too. I don't want to be partisan. We got ass clowns on both sides of the aisle. <laughs> I'm a jerk to everybody equally. Yeah, it's only fair, right? Yeah, it is. Informer of deer. Yeah. Well, That's how confused know. he was too, like not being that literate. He was sure. like, yeah, decent. So do yeah. I gotta tell you about what they're doing? Or do I gotta yeah. tell them about what you're doing? Really sure. This is a fake it before you make it kind of thing, mm-hmm. huh? I'm out there with 
uh, side by side and binoculars hunting them down lakeshore drive <laughs> i'm on his side a little bit yeah, like i hope this. he crushes it at the deer informer do you know what the continental dollar is no what the hell is a continental dollar so the continental dollar was america's first paper money uh-huh. the colony's first paper money it ranged from like one sixth of a dollar up to like 55 dollars or something I can't remember exactly those things. I didn't write them down when I wrote this piece. Uh-huh. But they established this continental dollar because they're separating from the British. Right. They're trying, this to, they're first, trying to find their own currency. The first effort to separate ourselves from their currency, the British pound kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. And everybody was terrified of it. Traders were terrified of it. People <laughs> at the... stores were terrified because they were like, <laughs> we don't know if this is going to work. This was right? the FTX of uh, yeah. the first yeah. <laughs> efforts was, for everybody's like, it's a, that can't, the it's colonial a dollar, yeah, currency system. So it doesn't it doesn't really catch on. So they pump a ton of this money out, yeah. and between in between 1776 and 1779, it had inflated 40-fold. So when the dollar first came out, you could buy something that cost a dollar. By 1779, right. it cost 40 of those dollars Ooh. to buy something that used to cost one dollar. Ah. So it inflated 40-fold. The peso effect. Yeah, so now we kind of get back to Dexter. The continental dollar gets discontinued. I, so, wonder, I wonder what they had to do to then recoup. What, what if I'm sitting on a ton of continental dollars? So seeing that this continental dollar was failing, mm-hmm. he takes this massive gamble. And he takes his life savings and his very wealthy wife's life savings and sees that Americans are giving this up for fractions of a penny per dollar mm, of these continental dollars. Be- Shorten it. I think there's going to be a resurgence. I'm going to... He's hoping so. Yeah. But the Constitution was then ratified. It stated that Continentals would be traded in for 1% of their face value. So he bought them at a fraction of 1%. Ah. The entire... His entire savings. Boatloads. So, <clears throat> so, you know, corporate, meaning his wife, she was okay with that too because on, on paper right now, that sounds like a good deal. He bought all those before the Constitution was ratified. Oh. That stated they would that the U.S. banking system would buy these back for one percent their face value. He just saw that it was collapsing. It was discontinued. Oh, no, government lied to him. That that at that point that probably seemed like an unlikely. Uh, well, he result. becomes like astronomically rich. Decent. His story gets better and decent. I want to hear it. Fate favors some people, I suppose. So he gambles blindly. He makes a pile of fucking money off these constant mm-hmm. or these uh, mm-hmm. continental dollars. Sure. It, I mean, he becomes absolutely filthy rich. See. And he so he goes back into the social circle. This oh, yeah. is his main concern: that high class tier of uh-huh. of social status. Yeah, he's moving so, up. He's got a new level of watch on his wrist. And it still didn't work. There was something about his personality that none of us know. Uh-huh. That just was a huge turnoff for people when, in black tie <laughs> events. Right now, I'm behind him. I like his play. Yeah, but I feel like obviously the bottom's going to fall out, and you, you keep me in the dark. But <laughs> I, I feel, love it I, so far. At this point, I feel a little bad for him. So he he gets fed up now. At this point, right? Yeah. He's so he, he packs up his shit and he leaves. He flips mm-hmm. him off. He's out, and he chalks it up to snotty nature of the Bostonians, and he leaves. Mm-hmm. So he, he moves to Newburyport, and this fucking guy gets there, and he's first thing he does is he buys a fleet of ships or boats. Oh, yeah. And then he buys a, a stable of, of very beautiful horses. I'm definitely. And he buys a carriage and puts his initials on the side of it so his horses can pull him around. And then in the I'm process, sure. he builds, I think what in the quotations I read where he built a princely chateau. Where, of, was, it, where was this at? This was Newburyport, uh, Massachusetts. This looks like a French chateau. He goes, fuck you guys in Boston. 
I'm going to Newburyport. I'm going to build this goddamn castle. He does. And mm -hmm. out front of the castle here on the left, you can see that there's pillars that kind of travel along the garden and the entryways and stuff. Mm -hmm. They were about 15 feet tall, and he paid thousands of dollars for each sculpture on top of those, the wood carving sculptures of iconic Americans. Who are the statues of? Does it matter? 14 American icon statues. Uh -huh. And then the 15th one was him. <laughs> Decent. Yeah, he <laughs> commissions Same his own fucking it, statue. Right, vanity at its finest. Uh -huh. And then, so it gets better. At the bottom of his statue, uh -huh. on the placard, he gets inscribed, the greatest philosopher in the Western world. <laughs> I've crushed everything. I've crushed the failure of the continental dollar. I married this fox. I'm obviously <laughs> the best deer informer that's ever lived. Yeah, follow my philosophy. Why don't I... You know, why wouldn't I have the confidence to know that I'm probably philosophically going to drop some seriously profound knowledge? <laughs> what other? What other? Put it on the plaque now. It becomes like this sore thumb joke of the, mm -hmm. of the town kind of thing. Oh, His wife gets so embarrassed, she like leaves the compound and goes uh -oh. and lives in town. She took nothing with her. Mm. She was fine to be poor. <laughs> to be with me. <laughs> Whatever he was doing became an embarrassment to her. To the entire town. And they, they could not stand the ridiculous architecture, the antics. <laughs> I'm not really sure what his lineage looks like. I think he has one son, one daughter, and a wife. So he moves in, his son, and his son is like equally as interested in education as he is. Oh, just, just dumb as fuck. He's, they're just. <laughs> you know what? You stink like books. Get this shit out of the house. Yeah. You know, what's on that plaque? You can see it. Says it right there. What does that statue of you say, Dad? You know what it says. Is, why don't you? <laughs> if you don't know, I ain't gonna tell you. Yeah. All right. Why don't you sound it out? How about you sound out my boot up your ass? All right, that. <laughs> How's that sound? Yeah. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> the the idea of them going back and forth because they couldn't read <laughs> yeah. it. I fucking love that. That's that's the origin of the fight in the front yard oh between God. Dad and Son. Yeah. Why do you bring it up, Mom? Yeah. yeah? What so, does she have to do with any of this? Yeah. Something on your mind? Let's find out. Why don't we read this together over there with our fists? Yeah. You know what it says. Just like I says yesterday, it pretty much says that I'm badass. <laughs> and then there's the other part about all my achievements. You know what I mean? Who's there? G. Washington. J. Hancock. Rock and roll Jesus. Dad. Okay. Well, Dad, I can't read. And I'm a little concerned you can't either. <laughs> I don't think I heard you clearly, but go ahead and say it again. This is the kind of attitude I'd expect from a feller wearing a red coat right now, okay? Spoken like a true frothing hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ain't a Dexter boy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you the deer informer here? Oh. Oh, you are? No, I didn't think so. There may be some bias here. Yeah, nobody in my family can read either. I'm the first. <laughs> I, I'm letting you read to me. I can't see. I, I'm glad there's pictures. There's long gaps in my reading. <laughs> Boy, this guy keeps, the hits keep coming. He's like Zeppelin. Yeah, we're still on course for a roller coaster. So he turns this, this elaborate estate that he built. So I think I read something earlier. Once his wife left and went elsewhere... In her absence, Dexter's son, a morose lad who, like his father, took no joy in learning, yeah, moved in. Yeah. In short order, the home was turned into a 
bagnio, or brothel, of sorts. Long nights of drunken buffoonery ensued in which women came and went, and the fine interiors. This is the part I was looking for. He thought all these like really cool things were going to give him social stature. So one of the things that he had were the curtains that were once owned by the Queen of France were inside of this house. Decent. The fine interiors were soon covered in unseemly stains, offensive to sight and smell. Mm. His estate becomes such a nuisance, everybody is just absolutely fed up with it. Mm. So he announces that he's, he's bought large ships now, and he's going to break into international trade. Why? Yeah, why not? He's crushed finance. He's crushed the animal surveillance scene of the city of Boston. He knows more about watching deers that ain't there than anybody he knows. In the efforts to sabotage him, most papers I read it just says a neighbor. Who's like, neighbor? come on. This was this was John Hancock. This was uh, <laughs> somebody. Somebody says, you can sell these warming pans. What is a and warming pan? So I'll, I'll get there. Uh, oh. So, you know, go sell these, these warming pans in the West Indies. And the West Indies are hot all the time. Warming pans were pretty much a frying pan with a really Lid long handle it. and the hot flip coals. up lid. You put in embers yeah, in it, I coals gotcha. in it. You mm-hmm. stick it under your blankets. It warms your bed up. So he bites. So the paper I read off of Priceonomics says that he bought no less than 42,000. Hmm. Was so convinced this was going to be groundbreaking that he loads up a ton of his ships with this and he also sets sail. Goes to the West Indies. Realizes there's no market for what he took. And yeah, he hops off the boat, tries to bring, <laughs> unload. Like, Where's the manifest? But I am sweating my ass off carrying these boxes in. I have a bad feeling about this. Immediately recognizes there's the danger in the market that he just came into. Oh, okay. I see what happened. You know oh, what I mean? So oh, he gets right. there. He's you got like, me. son uh-huh. of a bitch. Mm-hmm. He rebrands this because there Decent. are sugar and molasses plantations yeah, in pivot, the West dude. Indies at the time. See? So he pivots. I like it. He does a little bit of restructuring and he rebrands these warming pans as large ladles. And there's sugar and molasses plantations in the West Indies. The demand is so high, he actually gets oh, to yeah. mark up warming pans mm-hmm. 80%. He got the wool pulled over his eyes and turned it into another huge genius. financial gain. Mm-hmm. So he sails on back, pulls back up to Newburyport. Yeah. Oh, and then came back way wealthier. He's like the ShamWow guy, just working miracles out of yeah. nothing. He also gets conned. A trader convinced him to buy a bunch of coal to sell it to a place, and he gets there and realizes it's there's a coal mine there. The miners run strike. I love so this guy. So he shows I love up. Him. Dexter's the man. He shows up and they buy the coal at a huge markup. He has been crushing it. Don't, if this, I want you to cut this story short if I find out that he loses it all because he's been crushing it despite no. adversity. His, after he does a lot of this really uh, sketchy trading mm. that kind of works out in his favor. Mm-hmm. So he's, he becomes wealthy enough that he doesn't have to take gambles on endeavors anymore. Oh. He, he can afford to have people tell him. Mm-hmm what is the highest demanded product on the market right sure. now. Sure, he, he can afford a credible source. He doesn't have an angry neighbor with an ax grind to make a fool of him. So he learns that if you understand what the market demands the most, mm-hmm. what is the most popular thing in the market right now, right. you buy all of it and you mark yeah. it up. So he does this with like whale bones, which were really popular oh. for 
toys Everything. and typewriters and stuff at the time product for sure and he so he buys 340 tons of whalebone 100 also sells it up at a 75 percent market crying out loud this guy learns how to monopolize the market in common trade how do we not know who he is because this if i've said it once i've said it a million times literacy is overrated he's <laughs> been drinking more beer hitting more home runs since day one higher social profile still a little uh -huh. bit out of his reach why was he chasing that? You know what I mean? What was his like uh, inadequacy that psychologically he needed to pursue this? He gets so upset that there's there's titling of all the people around him that are in his wealth category mm -hmm. that he starts to demand that his guardsmen's his staff on his mm -hmm. his property start calling him Lord. Oh well, yeah. So now he turns into Lord Dexter. At this point, everybody that, that was working for him was so used uh, to these crazy antics and these crazy ideologies that he right. had that they were like, it's another day, it's another, Tuesday, it's another Tuesday here. Well, I'm sure there's like mental illness goes along with that. Mm -hmm. you know, it turns into Caligula or whatever. He's yeah. got dudes dressed up as like elves and, you know, it's like yeah. live LARPing on his island. Outside of asking everybody to call him Lord, he decides that he is going to fake his death. Oh, for sure. So he holds a huge That's a logical step though. Huge public event. He builds this massive tomb in the basement of this chateau he built. Mm -hmm. He calls in one of the most prestigious cabinet makers mm -hmm. in Massachusetts at the time sure. and builds him this like magnificent mahogany casket that he actually ends up sleeping in for weeks and weeks and weeks after. I put a lot into this. I want to give it a, a test drive. His sole purpose of this is to see the reaction of the town, of the public. In the, before he does the, the funeral thing, he brings in painters to oh, yeah. paint galleries of him. He brings in poets to write poetry of him. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it was self-obsession to a high yeah. degree at this point. So he then fakes his death, and he's, he's watching the funeral from floorboards. He's looking through the gaps in the floors, the planks of the floor, and he's oh, watching, man. and his son is so drunk at this point because he's a party animal just like him. His yeah. son's crying anyways because <clears throat> he's so drunk. And he's like, yeah, he's selling it. He sees his daughter through the planks of the floorboard. His daughter's got her, her head in her hands the whole time, selling it. Mm -hmm. And he stumbles across his wife. She's got a big-ass smile on her face uh, at his funeral. Is she in on the whole? She's in, Okay, but she's not quite selling All it. Right. She's loving the idea of this guy being in a casket in the basement. Stay in character, woman. You know? Yeah. He decides he's going to sneak out of his hidey hole and waits until she's in the kitchen. And he goes in there and starts scolding her. Do a little coaching. You need to sell this. And he canes her in the kitchen. <laughs> causes oh, wow. a huge commotion. And everybody comes rushing in. And they all catch him red-handed alive he, while they're there at lock his it down, funeral. He? And he's in there beating up his wife. He doesn't see the... He's shooting himself in the foot here. She's got a smirk and he rolls up with the, I assume, sugar cane. It was, he's in the game. Yeah. And uh, starts slapping her around. That. The... And she's yelling back, you know, why don't we do this another way? Why don't we have a spelling bee, clown? Yeah, so he goes there and kicks her ass. <laughs> Causes an uproar. Yeah. Everybody rushes in. And he, he decides he's going to pretend that all this was just a big ruse, a big oh, joke. And man. so he goes around, he's bumping shoulders to people. Oh, ah, I got you. <laughs> Saw you crying, fucking dummy. You, you know? Your nose is running. Oh, it's so funny how yeah. traumatized you all were. In light of the new findings, <laughs> listen. Everybody, open bar. This, It's been a good time. You know, bygones. Greatest philosopher in the West.
All in, this a, time. in a sense, he is. Fuck. That is what the farthest west philosophy. What are we gonna do? I don't know. Wildly we, we can't stoic. Read. Yeah, send me on a weird trip. I'll figure out how to turn the corner. Jerk. So he starts to look into what these other high class mm-hmm. citizens are doing, and they're they're releasing texts. They're writing books. Mm-hmm. Those founding fathers, they had books. Mm-hmm. They were out there, and they they wrote these things out of philosophical advancements. So they didn't sell them. When they would write books, they would give them out. Mm-hmm. And so he takes this. He writes a book. He mm-hmm. decides this is how he's going to establish himself in immortality. Mm-hmm. He's going to write a book. It's going to be amazing. And I read a few passages out of it. And it's a fever dream. Mm-hmm. I almost had a stroke trying to read this. The whole book, feel- in the entire book, there's not one single piece of punctuation. <laughs> it's not a comma, not a period, not an exclamation point. Not a, My punctuation's poor, too. It's not one. It's not, he doesn't separate a single sentence from the whole book. I don't know what be, the editing policy was back then i would have hired one you know printing press was probably fairly new to be very precise in how illiterate he was all right this is this is a passage in the yellow highlight <clears throat> all right i mean the first lord of the in the U, <laughs> united states of uh, mercury now of newbury port is the voice of the Piopal, and i can't Help it, so let it gone now, as I must be lord there. Will foller many more lords, pretty some for it. Don't hurt a cat, not nor a mouse, nor sun, nor water, nor airy. As gow, gooey, gow, on all is easy. Now, bonus broken. Bon- oh, sorry. Bonds, B-O-N-S. Bonds broken. All is well in love, and now I am be gin to lay the corner stan and the key stan with grat remembrance of my father, Jorge Washington, spelled with a J. The great, as in a sewer grate, G-R-A-T-E, Hero with a W, 17 <laughs> centuries with an S, passed before we found so good a father into his children, and now gone to rest now that I shoey my love, my father, and I, again, sewer great characters, I, again, I'm probably marginally more literate than he is, but there's a few mistakes here I'd like to... <laughs> I have a few notes. <laughs> Founder, Mr. Printer, the Norwing ones complain my book. <laughs> Foost edition had no stops. I put enough NUF here that they may paper and salt it as they please. Plez. So I, mean, I don't, I don't like the, to mock him for his lack of... The, listen, the, the American revolutionary education system failed this man. So... And I went to print, though. You should have spent the he extra... Printed it. The, the extra five then, co- continental dollars and the guy <laughs> proofread. So that first uh, excerpt you read was from the first edition of that book. Mm. So he gave it out. Just like... Oh, I see. Just like that everybody was, around him was doing it. So the philosophical gotcha. people, the, the leaders that were writing these books that were super influential, they were giving them out. I gotcha. So he goes and he prints that book mm. from that first excerpt you read. Mm. And he hands it out. Mm. And lo and behold... People just love how absurd it is. He crushed it again. He crushes it. 
and satire. People love the fact that it's misspelled so poorly. It was like a jab at education. He was... He wasn't wrong. I think he... You know, I support him and his statue in saying he is the greatest Western philosopher that's ever lived. I don't know about philosophy. He was the greatest circumstantial businessman to ever live. He's got absurdly tight pants on, no shirt, double birds, by my book. Partying with his brother. By my book. There's so much demand for it. He runs out of the first... The whole entire first edition. So he prints a second edition. So one of the big criticisms it got was that there was no punctuation in the whole book. So in the second edition is where the second ex- excerpt ah, comes Ah, the second one I read. So he goes, founder, Mr. Printer, the, knowing, the knowing ones, complain of my book, the first edition, had no stops. I put an enough here, and they may pepper oh. and salt it as they please. Glorious. I love so it. So he goes and shits all over the education system again because everybody that was educated hated the book because there's no punctuation or spelling. And the important- so then he writes it even worse and puts a whole page. This is the back page of the book. Puts a whole page yes. of punctuation and then says, pepper and salt it uh-huh. as they please. Dealer's choice. Here's all the punctuation I left out. Figure out where you want Sprinkle it. If it's a question, make it a Bitches. question. Yeah. <laughs> I like him. Power move. Mm-hmm. Why don't, we know, why don't we know who he is now? Because you know? they heard him. He dies a few years after he writes the book and it gets published. Oh, and the second version? Yeah. 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 So he passes like and they reject his, his last wish to be buried at the tomb that he oh. hopes his death in. And they decide they're going to bury him on a quaint hillside uh-huh. that nobody knows about. Those bombs. And let the grass grow up over his tombstone Those very quickly. Bombs. What, what haters. And he was, at that point, erased from history. Oh, those bombs. You know, you don't support the guy. He's not in your uh, tribe. He's hitting home run. Respect the man. For Come his, on. For his Give merits. him some yeah. credit, dude. You tried to <laughs> stop him at every turn. A lot of class warfare there. A lot of, uh, you know, yeah, haters. You poor people don't fit in here. Mm-hmm. It was what it feels like. At the yeah. end of the day, that story really feels like he was kind of shoved out of that upper bracket because he was poor and illiterate. There was, mm-hmm. there was, this doesn't sound like there was a lot of attempts to make him I'm, more educated. Right. I'm both of those. To I mean, help him I'm just all. hoping. Yeah. It gives me, gives me hope. Mm. It's fantastic. It is. Outstanding work, sir. Dexter, we salute you. PBR, PBR salute to you, sir. Fascinating. He was. Read for me today. People's champion. Really. Yeah. Pe- <laughs> the people's champion. Common he, man. He really was. He was a common man who, mm-hmm. who tried really hard to push into the higher uprights of society and mm-hmm. just really couldn't get there. There's no part of me that doesn't think that maybe he was at fault a little bit for that. His arrogance and his vanity was a little damning. No, he's when a you jackass, look at the evidence. But yeah. yeah. But I like the victory theory of the jackass too. So I might be biased. I thought that he was going to lose it all and, you know, his, died uh, filthy rich. His dumbassery was going to come back and get him, but I love that it closed out strong. Ah. Ah, so the title of his book was A Pickle for the Knowing Ones. Oh, yeah, I'm getting that book. I'm going to buy the book. People wouldn't understand the value of that. No, it's worth as much as the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's Timothy Dexter swept so far under the rug. Is... During the Revolutionary Era, he was one of the most profitable traders. So I'm going to tell you the story of the flying spaghetti monster. Shoot. So I'll show you this photograph right here. This is uh, labeled, Touched by His Noodly Appendage. Parody of Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam. That's the flying spaghetti monster. 
Uh, meatballs and all. Yeah, two meatballs, a bunch of spaghetti surrounding him. Eyes on some kind of odd stalks. Yeah, it looks like maybe spaghetti noodles. Yeah. So this is a entire religion born out of satire. Okay. So this is actually really recent, which is more alarming than anything. This is in 2005. Uh-huh. The Kansas State Board of Education was trying to permit the teaching of intelligent design alongside to evolutionary theories. So this physics graduate from Ohio, Bobby Henderson, writes the satirical letter, the Kansas State Board of Education. So he says that he wants equal time in the classroom, in the science classroom, to also teach his religion. Decent. He calls it the flying spaghetti monsterism. Okay. Before you go any further, could he read or write? Yes. Bobby okay. Henderson was physics graduate. I'm just being a Timothy Dexter when I ask. <laughs> Can you read? Mm-hmm. Also, can I read? Right. So he was. <laughs> so, so in his in his letter, though, he states, "I am writing you with much concern. After having read your hearing to decide whether the alternative theory of intelligent design should be taught along with the theory of evolution, I think we can all agree that this is important for students to hear multiple viewpoints, so they can choose for themselves the theory that makes the most sense to them. I am concerned, however, that students will only hear one theory of intelligent design." Let us remember that there are multiple theories of intelligent design. I, and many others around the world, are of the strong belief that the universe was created by a flying spaghetti monster. It was he who created all that we see and all that we feel. We feel strongly that the overwhelming scientific evidence pointing towards evolutionary process is nothing but a coincidence, but in place by him. It is for this reason that I am writing you today, to formally request that this alternative theory be taught in your schools along with the other two theories. In fact, I will go so far as to say if you do not agree to do this, we will be forced to proceed with legal action. I'm sure you see where we are coming from. If the intelligent design theory is not based on faith, but instead another scientific theory, as is claimed, then you must also allow our theory to be taught, as it is also based on science, not on faith. Some find that hard to believe, so it may be helpful to tell you a little more about our beliefs. We have evidence that a flying spaghetti monster created the universe. None of us, of course, were around to see it. We have written accounts about it. We have several lengthy volumes explaining all details of his power. Also, you may be surprised to hear that there are over 10 million of us, and growing. We tend to be very secretive, as many people claim our beliefs are not substantiated by observative evidence. What these people don't understand is that he built the world to make us think the Earth is older than it really is. For example... A scientist may perform a carbon dating process on an artifact. He finds that approximately 75% of the carbon-14 has decayed by electron emissions to nitrogen-14 and infers that the artifact is approximately 10,000 years old, as the half-life of carbon-14 appears to be 5,730 years. But what our scientist does not realize is that every time he makes a measurement, the flying spaghetti monster is there changing the results with his noodly appendage. (laughs) We have numerous texts that describe in detail how this can be possible, and the reasons why he does this. He is, of course, invisible and can pass through normal matter with ease. I'm sure you now realize how important it is that your students are taught this alternative theory. It is absolutely imperative that they realize that observable evidence is at the discretion of the flying spaghetti monster. Furthermore, it is disrespectful to teach our beliefs without wearing his chosen outfit, which, of course, is full pirate regalia. Well, yeah. I cannot stress the importance of this enough, and unfortunately cannot describe in detail why this must be done, as I fear this letter is already becoming too long. The concise explanation is that he becomes angry if we don't. 
You may be interested to know that global warming, earthquakes, hurricanes, and other natural disasters are a direct effect of the shrinking numbers of pirates since the 1800s. For your interest, I have included a graph of the approximate number of pirates versus the average global temperature <laughs> over the last 200 years. As you can see, there are statistically significant inverse relationships between pirates and global temperature. In conclusion, thank you for taking the time to hear our views and beliefs. I hope I was able to convey the importance of teaching this theory to your students. We will, of course, be able to train the teachers in this alternative theory. I am eagerly awaiting your response, and hope dearly that no legal action will need to be taken. I think we can all look forward to the time when these three theories are given equal time in our science classrooms across the country, and eventually the world. One third time for intelligent design, one third time for flying spaghetti monsterism, or pastafarianism, and one third for logical <laughs> conjecture based on overwhelming observable evidence. Sincerely yours, Bobby Henderson, Concerned Citizen. P.S. I have included an artistic drawing of him creating a mountain, trees, and a midget. Remember, we are all his creatures. That's him creating a mountain, trees, and a midget. So he, he waited a few weeks after he wrote this to the Kansas Board of Education. He decides after he hears nothing back about him, he's going to publish this on the internet in 2006. And it blows up goes absolutely viral people love it publishing companies they want the rights to this shit to this satire they want it so they're reaching out to him they're they're saying write a bible oh man he gets an eighty thousand dollar upfront yeah contract to write the book of pastafarianism (laughs) you know part of this and it's not right it makes me a little angry i've been being a dumbass for free for so long (laughs) And I hear about, you know, the satirical uh, upfront money to write the hysterical nonsense. And I'm not, I've been doing this just love of the game. Yeah. Just, Who's the fool here? Then there's, De- uh, you know, Timothy Dexter. And there's Bobby Henderson. Yeah. Well, he's obviously a well-educated and, and diverse student of physics. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot more in common with <laughs> Timothy <laughs> Dexter. I That's what I was talking about. barely read. I love that story because it's yeah. like... I've been being sure. a dumbass for 40-some years for free. He writes it. It's called The Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. It has the uh, eight I'd rather you didn't instead of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather you didn't. I suggest it's discouraged. So Mosey goes up the mountain or the volcano or whatever it is in this lore and gets the ten I'd rather you didn't. On his way down, he loses two of them and... They don't exist. There's only eight. I'd rather you didn't. And in these eight, I'd rather you didn't. I'd love to hear them. The first, I'd rather you didn't, is I'd really rather you didn't act like a sanctimonious, holier-than-thou ass when describing my noodly goodness. If some people don't believe in me, that's okay. Really, I'm not that vain. Besides, this isn't about them, so don't change the subject. The second, I'd rather you didn't. I'd really rather you didn't use my existence as a means to oppress, subjugate, punish, viscerate, and or, you know... Be mean to others. I don't require sacrifices. Impurity is for drinking water, not people. (laughs) The third I'd rather you didn't. I'd really rather you didn't judge people for the way they look or how they dress. Go ahead. Or the way they talk. Or, well, just play nice, okay? And Mm -hmm. get this in your thick heads. Woman equals person. Man equals person. Samey, samey. One is not better than the other, unless we're talking about fashion, and I'm sorry. But I gave that to women, and some guys who know the difference between teal and fuchsia. (laughs) (laughs) 
that I'd rather you didn't for is I'd really rather you didn't indulge in conduct that offends yourself or your willing consenting partner of legal age and mental maturity. As for anyone who might object, I think the expression is go fuck yourself. Unless they find that offensive, in which case they can turn off the TV for once and go for a walk for a change. I'd really rather you didn't challenge the bigoted, misogynist, hateful ideas of others on an empty stomach. Eat, then go after the bastards. <laughs> That's fantastic. Number six, I'd really rather you didn't build multi-million dollar churches, temples, mosques, or shrines with mm. my noodly goodness when the money could be better spent ending poverty, curing disease, living in peace, loving with passion, and lowering the cost of cable. I might be a complex carbohydrate-ominescent being, but I enjoy the simple things in life. I don't know. I am the creator. Number Jesus. seven. I'm really rather you didn't, or I'd really rather you didn't go around telling people I talk to you. You're not that interesting. Get over yourself. And I told you to love your fellow man. Can't you take a hint? And the final, I'd rather you didn't, is I'd really rather you didn't do unto others as you would have them do unto you if you are into um, stuff that uses a lot of leather lubricant. Las Vegas. <laughs> if the other Las person Vegas. is into it, however pursuance of number four then take at it take pictures and for the love of mike wear a condom honestly it's a piece of rubber if i didn't want it to feel good when you did it i would have added spikes or something oh, those are the God. eight laws in your death mm -hmm. once you reach heaven in, in the religion of the fly, flying spaghetti monster uh -huh. there is a beer volcano in a stripper factory huh big fan of the beer volcano so i watched the documentary i apostrophizing in in the 2010s mm -hmm. uh, from I think around 2015 to 2017 mm -hmm. these this pastafarian religion religion gains a ridiculous amount of traction overseas I like it. and yeah. they make national news because they they claim this is a religious exemption and they start wearing these colanders on their head oh. spaghetti strainers on their head <laughs> and they go one of the, this guy goes in and, and He's this huge believer in Pastafarianism at this point yeah. to the DMV. And he's about to get his picture taken for his driver's license. Sure. And they ask him to remove the spaghetti strainer from Ooh. his head. And I don't know how that works. They make a big uproar and they're granted, Pastafarians are granted the ability mm -hmm. to wear colanders in their identification photos on their driver's licenses. Where it makes I, national what, news. Really? What state? <clears throat> it's Kansas, right? Uh, Kansas is where this all originates. But, but the, where was that? The photographs of oh, okay. the colanders and people's heads that took place, I, I believe, in the Netherlands. Oh, okay, so this wasn't a U.S.-based policy. No, this, so I can't roll in to the DMV. Yeah, so the Pastafarianism. In, state, in the States with a calendar. You can't, that I know of. I don't know. It really feels like maybe you could push that boundary. And I, so, he so in the proud. beginning of that documentary, it opened up mm -hmm. in the church. Mm -hmm. With a prophet mm -hmm. preaching to his following. It's following. Isn't that <laughs> and creepy? so body, the body of Christ mm. is well-cooked. Spaghetti noodles fed to the mass. They would say their prayer. And in the name of our holy prophet, Bobby Henderson, who wrote the fucking book. And then they would say, ramen. Wow. And this, what was his name? Henderson? Who was it? Bobby Henderson. Bobby Henderson. Who wrote the gospel. Yeah. The flying spaghetti monster. This will, this will be a good segue. Uh, for me, into into next week's episode, we're going to talk about a gentleman named Alistair Crowley, uh, Jack Parsons, and their relationship, and also another fellow you may have heard of by the name of L. Ron Hubbard. So it's going to be 
curious piece. Yeah. We'll see. I can tell you that I'd be more, much more susceptible um, to the influence and pressure of a pasta driven religion than I would be. Yeah. Some of our next gentlemen, but I'll I'll keep it a secret and don't, don't look it up. No, no, no. I'm not going to, I'm not diving into any of that, man. I'm looking forward to an episode where I get to be educated a little bit because I I also want to have reactions, you know? Oh, yeah. There's, I don't know if you'll be educated. It's you're definitely gonna leave and think I feel like I'm dumber than I was earlier, and this is time I'll never get back. But I'm coming with it full speed anyway. There's, so it's such a contradicting statement, right? I mean, <laughs> I feel like I've gotten smarter by learning the stories I talked about tonight, but at the same time, mm-hmm. the real core part of my personality feels like I got a little more stupid. Oh yeah. Well, I love, I love Timothy Dexter. I think he. I told you it was long-winded. I wrote that whole piece today. I, I didn't know it. if we'd be able to do it all. We did. That was mm-hmm. awesome. We actually got to go to the Pastafarianism. Next week, I will talk about the 1904 Olympics. I don't know. I know nothing about it. I'm not going to look. look it up either. No, I'm not going to. It, it's so much stumble. chaos and so much. Absurdity. I want to stumble into it like I do every day that I wake yeah, up, but just an oblivious. Idiot. It's a beautiful, beautiful Perfect. piece of random, Ignorant ridiculous no. history. This has been the Fundamentals of Nonsense. I'm your host, Sam. I'm Sadi Black. I love you. We love you both. Or that seemed weird. All right, goodbye.